It's time for Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, outdoor writer Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Hunter's Blend Coffee, defending hunting one cup at a time. Now, let's get into this week's show. All right, welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast. Uh, it's good to be back together where we can talk about different things, and uh, uh, it's good to see you guys. Um, I'm excited about this upcoming season, and I think we'll start this podcast by uh, talking about the upcoming deer season. Here in South Carolina, our season opens in just a couple of weeks, uh, in early August or mid-August. Uh, somewhere around Vicky's birthday Woo-hoo! is our opening day, <laughs> and uh, it is so daggum hot down here that time of year, but uh, a lot of people would like to get out there and do it, but... Right now, we hear a lot of people talking about uh, getting the last-minute things done for their deer season. So let's uh, kind of throw that on the table, and let's talk about some of the things that you would recommend, Ralph, as far as these last-minute things. Here, we're just two weeks away from the season here. If we're up there, you're Not what, October six 1st. weeks away? Yeah. Yeah, October 1. Eight weeks? Yeah. So you're so you're two months away. Okay. Yeah, we're, so, we're, we're already thinking about antelope, elk, mule deer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. This is uh, kind of different this uh, week, actually, too. We have a new setup. We have some new equipment in here, and, and you're not sitting yes. here with us. I know. We're doing the first one remotely. V- Vicky said she sort of liked that better. <laughs> I did not. Don't believe a word he says, Pete. You know, Vicky. <laughs> it's because of you that I stay in therapy, and I just appreciate that. <laughs> but so. right now, you're like in my head. It's kind of a different feeling. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it is different. It is different. It's the first time we've done it using uh, using this remote setup, but uh, um, we're hoping it's going to be a good experience for the listeners and the viewers. And uh, um, oh, before that, I forgot. You just got your off grid on uh, Waypoint TV. Just we came did. Out, we just started our our, way, our off-grid television, the digital series, Off-Grid with Ralph and Vicky. We just got it set up onto Waypoint TV, and we've got all kinds of new digital shows out there. So that's kind of cool. It's a new thing for us. You know, and that show's more based more almost like the podcast where we're actually attacking certain topics and, you, you know, trying to elaborate more than what we normally would do, you know, on, on Archer's Choice and the Choice. So, uh you know, I, I, we're pretty excited about it because we have, heck, we have 30 plus years of footage. And uh, we're able that, to do more tips and yeah. techniques and just kind of help them out. And we have video footage behind it to, sh- to, to share up. with everyone yeah. to back it up. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. I actually watched the first two episodes yesterday, the introductory one and the moose hunting one. Did you fall asleep? And I uh, really liked, uh, uh, no, because uh, the way Ralph was demonstrating the moose calling was pretty uh, uh Intense, I might say. <laughs> really getting into it. Oh, buddy, he was I really do. getting into it, boy. He was. It was. Uh, he likes uh, moose hunting. Good. I like. Was, I like all good. calling where you can. When you, or I like all hunting where you could call them and you try to make something happen. Yeah. Uh, it's just right. Right. It just adds that that you know that other dimension to to it. It does. It does. And what I liked about it, just as a viewer, was that uh, you know it's it's not a species you normally see a lot of things about. You right. don't normally see a lot of details about moose hunting. Uh, but yet, for most North American hunters, I would say that the moose is, is high on their bucket list for an animal to really go after. So, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I be, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. So, yeah, so uh, listeners, if you haven't had a chance to get on Waypoint TV, uh, it's a streaming television 
service. Uh, most smart TVs have access to it. Go to Waypoint TV, type in Ralph and Vicky, and their uh, their new off grid television series uh, will show up on that. So, uh, thought about that. wanted to wanted to give that a quick plug while we thank you. We're cool. getting Thanks. started here. So, um, all right. So this past weekend, as an example, I spent 23 hours on a tractor Woo. mowing, bush hogging uh, fields that had been fallow for three years. That's a different story, but uh, kind of new access to a new property. And, and I'm thinking, man, this is so late doing this, getting ready for our deer season. Uh, I hung some cameras up on the new property. I uh, put together some natural ground blinds like we talked about in one of our other podcasts and it got me to thinking i said guys we really need to do a podcast on on things that people need to do to get ready for their season as it's getting so close for opening day so what kind of things would uh you know just start start talking to us with your experience ralph vicky sure buddy uh, you, you know i think one of the things is especially with the power of TV and, 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 and everything out there, a whole lot of people for their deer season really anticipate that, that food plot setup. You, you know what I mean? That, I mean, food plots are everything today. Um, whether you're sitting in a, a pop-up blind, a fixed blind, a hard shell insulated blind, uh, you know, the, the food plot is really become a big thing. Um, and I'm going to tell you, we've made our mistakes through the years because we're not farmers. Uh, I mean, I've, you, you, you buy all your seed, you do your fertilizer, you do your lime, and you think you got it all done right. You watch all the little how-tos, and, and you read everything you can, and you go out there, you apply all of the strategies, and next thing you know, well, it didn't work. Worst, you know, worst gut-wrenching feeling you when can you have. you think you're getting ready to go out there and go and start hunting on it, and you go out there, and it's just dirt. Uh, I mean, you know, I... I yeah, I, and you spent $1,500 or $2,000 trying to get it to grow. And all the yeah. time, yeah. too. An effort. Yeah. You know, yeah. Here's, yeah. If there's one thing I think that we've learned is, you know, a, a soil sample. Find out because, heck, we learned on this one little piece, this 20-acre piece that we have, um, because of the trees, there was so much acidity in the ground and the root systems reached out so far. Literally, no matter what I did, I couldn't get anything to grow. I mean, it was nuts, you know, so, so we're learning as we go too. you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are so-called experts and it's because they went and put five food plots in, you know what I mean? And, and they worked and they're, they're insta famous. But, but the reality of it is, is it doesn't work like that. You know, I, I, I think if the process that we have learned all these years, um, is, is pretty, pretty simple and cut and dry one figure out where. When I say that is the benefits, the true benefits of why you're putting that plot in that certain area. Uh, you know, and, and I think most of all that a, peop- a lot of people overlook is the entrance and exit of that plot. Absolutely. You know, you, you know, they, Absolutely. They look at it and go, oh, I'm going to put a plot here. Well, they didn't realize that they got to come through the bedding area or they got to come through, you, you know, the, the, a natural corridor that leaves your scent, cuts you, cuts the movement off, and you sit there for the whole season. You're like, well, what's, what am I doing wrong? Well, you know, so, so I, I would tell you one that we've learned is really strategically. And years ago, we didn't have uh, – we, we didn't have satellite photos, okay? You had to walk the ground. You had to figure everything That's out. That's right. 
Today, you could, right. in, I mean, you could you could Google or, or go on your maps. There's so many apps now, right, Vicky? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're saying is it's just that, you know, one thing's like, like you said, Pete, you know, you're two weeks away from here. So right now, you know, you're hoping your food plots are in and you're trying to do this, but you can still figure out the best entrance and exit into your hunting areas yep. and things like that. But I think one of the other things, though, that's key is make sure if you're, if you're archery hunting, Make sure you are set up and ready to go. You've shot your practice broadheads. You have brand new broadheads sharp and ready to go for the season. I mean, you really need to be dialed in at now and get ready to do it. You know, you need to know that from standing to sitting from a tree stand shot, you need to be able to be able to make that shot when it counts. And that's one of the things, I mean, within two weeks, you're going to be out there archery hunting and dang, and where you're at, it's going to be hot in two weeks, isn't it? Hot. Hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can handle degrees. that. You know, Hoppy's goes. Come on, degrees. you guys. Hoppy keeps telling us, "Come on, come." You know, come deer hunt, come bow hunt, Florida early season. We're like, no, it's no. ninety five <laughs> degrees, humidity is one hundred percent. We'll be out in Colorado where it's is. cooler. I have, I have twenty five cells. Here, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah it's just. Um, but I, I that's guess how it is here. And yeah, you know, if you, but the uh, it does give you a chance for a velvet buck. It does. Yeah, You're right. That, is, that, that weeks, is pretty cool. You know, where you do have a chance for a velvet buck for about two and a half weeks, usually by Labor Day, they've all rubbed off. But so we get about two weeks where we have a chance to hunt for a velvet buck, and that's exciting. You know, I've I've killed one uh, buck in velvet simply because it's so hot. I don't like to go out there, but yep. I know a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah. do. Um, um, to your point about the food plots, though, Ralph, what about? Uh, so I'm going to come back to that in more detail, but it got me to thinking about. The people who don't have the opportunity to plant food plots. Sure. What if you don't have a food plot? What if you're hunting public ground? Or well, yeah, uh, good point, you know, Pete. Um, I'm sorry. You, you know, you know, and like like what you're saying is one scouting. If if there's a way, you know, a lot of the a lot of the state areas, you know, allow you to go in there. You know, take a couple days, sit down, try to get to a high vantage point, and glass in glass a, a much a much larger area. And try to see the movement, try to see the patterns on, because a lot of these deer are, are what we call a summer pattern early in the year. You know, they're still, right. they're still feeding it. Right. They have had no pressure. Right. And their testosterone hasn't come to the point where they're straight scraping all the velvet off. So they're still all together. Yep. So, you you know, you have your bachelor groups, just like you would be out west in Colorado, right. Montana right. and everything. You, you know, so, so, so you have a summer pattern that you, that you can pattern. Because of the food source, number one. Number two, never, never shortcut water. Water is, is, a, is a mandatory thing. Um, now, don't kid yourself. A lot of the, your deer and a lot of your antelope, a lot of the other animals can get enough moisture off the plants if there's heavy dew in the mornings. They really can. Right. But yeah. they sure do like to gulp. <laughs> and when they can yeah. gulp, they you know they'll take advantage of that. So so you know scouting right. out scouting out that water source for that early opening you know few weeks. Remember right. this too that there's no pressure. So if you see them and you do not contaminate that area, if you move in there on that opening day, your chance of success is really high on a particular angle right. that you're setting for because the pressure hasn't hit. Once that pressure hits, whether it's state or public or private ground, 
you know, you're going to start seeing a lot of those more mature animals start to gravitate towards that nocturnal period again because they're starting to understand, and I don't even think they understand it, but they realize, you know, something's going on, boom, they go to their safe zone. Their safe zone on a mature animal is to be more nocturnal. Well, let me ask a question about that because I've often wondered, and and I keep meaning to ask some of the guys at QDMA or some biologists, is that here in the south where it's so hot, they'll start to put on their winter coat around middle September, and it's still 90 degrees. So do you think some of the going nocturnal is simply for comfort because it's so hot during the day and they're starting to put on their winter coat? Or is it pressure or is it a combination? Is there any any way to even know that? You know what? Honestly, I think a good way to, to, to look at it is when we like moose hunting, when we go up moose hunting. You know, the moose, they, have, they are just such big animals and they have such heavy hides. And a big part is when it's hot out and we're hunting up they there, they can't move. They can't move. No. They, they know that they can't lose that much weight. So they're going to be, they're right. going to be, you know, they're going to be nocturnal up there. So maybe you're right. Maybe that does have something to do with the different hide as it's going on. And But yep. then again, yes, yesterday, two days ago, Ralph and I, we were driving back from the airport, actually. And we saw a bunch of deer and it was 86 degrees and it was a middle of the like. It was middle of the day. It was like right. one o'clock in the afternoon, and they were all out eating. Yeah, which was kind of odd, it's but crazy. they still have their summer hides on too. But, but the other thing too, uh, you know, we we didn't look at the barometer. We didn't see if anything, right. you know, if if there if there was a high, high you know, high pressure, Moon low pressure moving or, in. We didn't, I, you know, we really yeah. didn't pay much attention to that. But you know, the other and Vicky nailed it. You know, the other thing though that that I think, um, you know, a lot of these animals they don't sweat; they pant. That's right. So, so, yeah. so you know, yeah. a, a lot of times I've, I, I am a, I'm no biologist, but you know, after well, fifty plus years in the woods, I think I think you learn a little bit, um, and uh, I, I really believe, and the cameras are telling us way more than just assuming something, and that is, you get a lot of a lot of game movement on the coldest, whatever it may be, periods of that twenty four hour period. We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. This segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Beeman Arrows. Beeman is considered one of the world's innovators of carbon arrow technology. Beeman continues at the forefront of the industry by developing new methods and processes for ever improving their products. Beeman Arrows are used by pros and sportsmen alike for their perfect balance of speed, durability, consistency, strength, and value. Beeman Carbon Arrows, made in the USA and purely American. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. Now, like Vicky said, yes. middle of the day hot. Maybe, here's the other thing, if you don't, if you, if you don't know your area... Predation could be pretty heavy, right? Because we, were, like I said, we were driving back from Chicago yeah. from the airport from O'Hare, so you might obviously have we don't know. There could there. have been yeah coyotes or even just people because yep. it was it was a, a nice, pretty sunny day. It was pretty windy out, but maybe that's why they were out there in the middle of the field. And you, you know, as you yeah. know, Pete, you know they've got to eat about about every six eight hours. So right. so especially right. if that doe's got those fawns, she's got to eat. You know, she, she's, she does. She's really she taking does. care of those yeah. babies. So, yes. so you know, I, right. I think that's what also allows or, you know, has us seeing more game movement, you know, in that yeah. summer period yeah. of time as the does, you know, and then, you know, as, as you start getting ready, like Vicky was saying, you know, shooting. Here's the other thing. 
and I used to get this a lot when we had the shop. Guys would go up on a hunt, and you know they never shot with a face mask, or they never shot with gloves. They never did this, or never. They never did that. sat down and tried to shoot out of a blind. Yes. Please get out there now before you're getting out there and and start practicing with anything that you are going to be wearing, using, whatever before season. Because all these little things, and it may not affect you physically, but mentally, if you come to full draw and you're like, oh, am am I in the same anchor with that net or with the glove on or this or that, this is a mental game. And boy, if you start putting those little mental blocks up, you're going to be amazed at how come you missed that deer at, you know, at 15 yards. Well, you know, Ralph, and another great, like you're saying, like with gloves and you laugh at me all the time because we get people that, you know, you'll go hunting and it will be freezing cold outside and they won't have gloves on. And they say, well, I can't because I, I, I can't shoot with gloves on. I shoot with gloves on. All, all year long. And anytime I'm shooting, even if it's 90-something degrees outside, I have my gloves on because that's how yep. I want to always know that that's how I'm going to shoot. You know what else, though, Vic, too, is is I think years ago, there were no such thing as these tight-fitting, you know, Yeah, they were all big, grip. bulky, they cotton. They were big, bulky gloves. Yeah. So I can understand years ago, Pete, you know what I mean, where they didn't like shooting. Right, but right. today, there's no reason. And the two biggest things... That constantly move. Yes. Ground blind, tree stand, spotting and stalking. Your head and your hands. Your face and your hands. Is that's great. right. It's, that's what they're going to see, and that's what's going to spook a deer. Yeah. I know. It's a, it's really amazing when you walk up on somebody who's in a, a pop-up blind, and they don't know you're coming, and you see their you see their face just glowing yep. from yep. the distance because they're sitting so close to the front edge so they can see. Uh, man, that's like a spotlight right there. you got to cover that up. You know... And and you mentioned that, Ralph. I know for for years I've written about doing that same thing, but uh, a part of me thought, yeah, that's just BS. That's just people trying to sell a story or trying to sell gloves in a head net. Until, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I went to shoot at a deer and my face mask got hung up in my release because I was wearing a different mask. And, I, and from then on, I'm like, okay, all right. You know, you have to have a really bad experience before you believe some of the some of the expert oh, yeah. yep, advice you're right. for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my my comment to the listeners would be don't wait till you blow it on a really nice buck before you actually go ahead and do that. Shoot. You know, if even if you're going to wear the camouflage face makeup, even, you know, to to an extent, at least on the side that you're going to be aiming through. Because I know the first times I was wearing it, besides all the mosquitoes getting stuck to my face, um, <laughs> from, <laughs> was was it was just a little bit of an adjustment. You know, it was just an adjustment. So, yeah, that's a very good tip is put on the, the, the same clothes you're going to be hunting with, especially those accessories, so that when you're practicing. You know, when you speak of practice, I was reading on a, um, a social media page this weekend, uh, the South Carolina Deer Hunters on Facebook about the people who were just now breaking their bows out, uh, just now getting ready to start shooting, and we're two weeks away from season. I'm like, God, really? You know, I mean, that's just, I don't know. I don't okay. understand it. But, buddy, I, listen, when we had the shop, we saw it. Here's the, here's the thing. I am not going to beat them down. I'm not, and I'll tell you why. There's so much going on in today's world. If you're a parent, you got traveling teams, you're taking your kids here and there, you're trying to get on a vacation and everything. 
if if they start two weeks before season, I'm okay with that. I am be because again, it's mus it's muscle memory. But but the thing we don't want them to do, and that is not shoot with the broadheads. You know, if they're struggling with their poundage, decrease the poundage. You, you know, what I mean, it it we could pound. And we've done it forever. We have, you know, you pound people saying you got to shoot six arrows a day, you know, all year long. I'm going to tell you something. We don't. It, we, we, it's just because you start getting busy, you start doing this, you start doing that. I think what we want to do is we want to embrace them, say, listen, hey, if, if you're going hunting in two weeks, start even. And, and, sh- and it's not just your first season archery no, hunting. No, I mean, we're yeah. talking about people that have hunted years, you know, a few years in a row with your bows and stuff like that. If you just go like what like you said, like at the archery shop, we would have guys come in the day before Wisconsin open season oh. and they'd buy a bow and they thought they were going to hunt the next day. And we'd sit them down. And they never it. shot before. And you're like, no. We're like, guys, it, it ain't like that. It's it, not this, like that. You know, so, so, so I, I guess, you know. Just putting it out there that listen, and and we just like Ron, you know, we had Ron and and, and we got Ron set up with with his new Hoyt, and we said he goes, man, I got to shoot, you know, I got to I got to probably what what do you think, Ralph, fifty arrows a day? I said, Ron, no, I said take take. He, he had one of the wedgie targets, remember? And and he ends up, I said, keep it at keep it at ten feet, five feet. I said, Form. draw draw back your bow. Close your eyes, anchor, find all, everything in your mind. Turn, open your eyes, look, hold that pin, and pull through that release. I said, if you could do that, just put it in the basement. And, you know, every, every so often, walk down there or, or just even in your office. I said, shoot a couple arrows. I said, you'll be amazed, amazed at how it will help you when season comes around. You, you know what I, right. I, I mean? It, it just... It does. It's... It, it, really it is. It, it's all, you know, everybody's trying to push this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know what? I want to see them. I want to see them enjoy it. I want to see yeah. them get excited yeah. about it. I want to see them as accurate as they can be. That's, I mean, that's what we're saying here, you know, and, and if you don't have the time, don't beat yourself up, but do make the time to just Draw back, anchor, draw, anchor, aim, release. If you practice that at even five feet, one arrow a day in your living room, in your closet, you know, wherever it is. Did you almost say closet? Closet, yeah. <laughs> but but you, you know what I mean? Wherever it may be, I truly Make believe Make sure you have it, a good target if you're shooting in your living room, though. Oh, yeah, yeah buddy. We or, do. Yeah, our absolutely. Bag. Yeah, our our wedge just sits there, and it's perfect. But, you know, and then you guys also, I had mentioned, and both you guys had mentioned also, was just the broadheads. We've been on trips, and one of the things is, you know, you need to make sure that your broadheads are sharp, sharp, sharp. Do not hunt with your practice heads. Do not trust the marketing ploys of saying, oh, this shoots like your field point. No. Take one out and shoot Shoot it. Shoot it. Do not play that game. Period. And yeah. then don't shoot that one no. while hunting. That's your That's practice your one. Practice bl- we take a Sharpie marker. We just mark them or nail yep. polish or something. You mark that one blade so you know you That's always Vicky's have. nail polish. I don't have any. I want to It's be Ralph's clear. nail polish. I want to make that know statement. That. Come on now. Now, Pete, I know you got <laughs> yours, but I don't okay. have mine. I'm just- <laughs> you can confess now. It's all, yeah. right. it's all right. But the biggest thing is, is that, you know, we all want to be out there and, and as ethical as we can be. Yep. And that sharpness of that broadhead is a huge part of being ethical. And do not shoot a broadhead into a bag target. No. That's why they make the the, the 3Ds and the foam. That's what those are designed for. 
Uh, you That's know, right. If, you know, and we see a, lo- a whole lot of people that they struggle, you know, because they're like, well, what target should I buy? Should I buy a bag target? Should I buy a, you know, a foam target or should I buy a 3D target? Here's what I tell anybody. What you ca- I mean, if, if all you have, all you have, you, you, you know, what I mean, is, is able to get one target. Right. I'd buy a foam because you could shoot your field points with it and then. You can shoot your broadhead. Now the bag right. makes it so easy to pull the air out. It's it's crazy right, without your broadhead. Yes, yes. But with that broadhead, you're just going to have you foam and out. pieces of yep. string and everything. Everywhere. You won't get it. It's out. never going to come yeah. out. No, no you you're not going to get it out. No. And then it's Hold not on. safe because you're going to shoot an arrow into it with just a field point, and all of a sudden you're going to be breaking arrows because you're hitting the ferrule of the broadhead. It's just it's just a mess. Don't do it. And then when you go to your like your 3D target, to me, that's the ultimate. Because, you know, again, I go Agreed. muscle memory Agreed. and your mind, you can take that 3D, you can position it. Like, we'll, we'll have our McKenzie's deers and we'll start switching them and we'll slowly change the angle or we'll Ordering walk, away or we'll walk around yep. the target. Right, right. And just, you, you know what I mean? You take an arrow and you yeah. throw it somewhere. You walk up to that arrow, you look and you judge distance. You don't, you don't have time to say, with your range finder, you go, okay, he's 20, 22, boom, and you take your shot because that's real hunting. That's what real hunting's all about. That's funny you say that because I've been doing that for decades where I pull my arrows and I just start throwing them in different di- different distances and different directions and I walk to them and shoot them. Just got to make sure you're not shooting across your other arrows. Yeah, you, you don't want to bust know, your yeah. arrows. Break an arrow. You know, so, but, but yeah, I've been doing that for years where I just throw them out there and then I just kind of walk to yeah, them and pick them up. And, you, you did and, it like and on a carriage, a, horse and carriage, didn't you? When no, you first started? No, it was, no? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a chariot. Oh, Cherry. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, remember, he, yeah. he's more of a gladiator So you type. were on Gladiator. I saw you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, was, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but oh, that's my a great gosh. Tip. I, I don't want to forget about the gun hunters either, though. Who, oh, no. Yeah, no, absolutely. Same thing. Same thing. They do the same thing. and, and uh, Practice. Um, they just go out there, and they the day before, they'll bring their, their rifle out, and they'll we go target and they'll boom. Oh, I hit the paper. I guess I'm okay. And they'll go out and start hunting with it. And you, or they say, well, it was zeroed in last year. There's no reason for me to even check it. And uh, and I think all of us have horror stories of of something like that either that we've done or somebody we know where you miss the same deer four times or you make a really poor shot and wound them and can't find them because you didn't check your scope. You didn't make sure that it was shooting well. You didn't clean it very well the end of last season or whatever it is. Um, but the rifle hunters are the same way. Uh, here in the South, you know, like I said, our deer season opens in a couple of weeks. And in certain parts of the state, gun season opens in. And we don't have a weapons restriction in South Carolina when it comes to guns. So you can use any centerfire rifle um, for uh, for whitetail, any centerfire caliber rifle. Um, so, again, we want to say to the to the gun hunters out there, go to the range. We have a lot of public ranges around this country that you can go to. Go to the range and don't just shoot one time. Shoot it several times so you're comfortable with that gun. You're comfortable that when those crosshairs hit the target, you know where it's going to hit. I was going to say, and the same thing too is like if you're traveling, if you're not just hunting from your house and you're going somewhere, if you actually have to put that gun in a case and you throw it in a truck or on a trailer or in an airplane when you get to that place, whether it's a bow or a gun, Shoot it again and make sure nothing happened to that scope or those sights because a lot of times, 
I mean, airplanes, you know, airline um, employees, sometimes they're not so easy on our equipment. And, you know, you need to double check and make sure everything is still on. You know, I think, too, right. what, you, what you touched on is, and again, you know, people are starting to think about or they're already starting to travel to start doing some of the hunts. You know, um, don't cheapen on, on the case. That no. case, you know, you, you spent as much money as you did on your on your bow or your gun. And a lot of people, well, I'm just going to run to the, the hardware store and pick up, you know, 1995, you know, gun case and throw my gun in it because I'm, I'm getting on the plane. That Just remember something. <laughs> $20 case is probably not going to protect that $1,000 setup or $2,000 or $3,000 setup. That's you right. Know, it, it, if you can't afford one this year, you know, use a buddy's, but then start saving some money and, and put the money into a good solid case. You know, we've are some of those military spec Plano cases. I mean, we, we've had them. We tied them on a plane, you know, on a bush plane and it's one fell. And, and I mean, it, nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know, so so there are there are take advantage of some of the better quality stuff, um, you know, because it's well to to me, that's just cheap insurance. I mean, that's cheap insurance because that because that one case can handle. Say, if you're a gun hunter, it'll fit most of your rifles. So you're buying one case for multiple uh, basically one insurance policy to to cover all of them. The same thing with your bow. If you have more than one bow, Uh, I did notice recently because I bought a new case what two years ago and uh now that the bows have gone to more parallel limbs you got to make sure that that case is made for a bow with the more parallel limbs as opposed to the the old to, to the older style the old long um, ones got, yeah yeah i got home and, it, and my bow didn't fit i had but i went back and exchanged it wasn't that big of an issue but it, that, that's when it dawned on me okay make sure this is going to fit your style of bow you know and and also with that if you're buying one for guns Get one that'll hold a shotgun because then it'll hold your rifle too. Shotguns typically are longer than rifles. If you buy one just for your rifle and then you're going to go to South Dakota to hunt pheasants and you can't put your shotgun in it because it won't fit without without breaking it apart. And some people just don't like to tear their guns apart, you know, into pieces to fly with it. So try to think ahead when you're getting those cases and make sure they're TSA approved as well. Forgot about that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. This segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Traditions. Traditions has the most extensive line of muzzleloaders in the industry. From brake action to bolt action to classic guns and even muzzle-loading pistols, there is truly something for everyone. Additionally, Traditions muzzleloaders are available at all different price ranges. So there is a gun for every budget. Traditions muzzleloaders, moving forward with performance, value, and quality. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. Yeah, the TSA is pretty particular on their uh, on their weapon cases, whether it's a bow. The, the last time I flew with my bow, I had one padlock on it, and... The TSA agent made me go buy two more. And when you had to buy a padlock in the airport, you were going to pay a premium price for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, buddy. Oh, yeah. No, everything. Like you make sure everything, you got your <laughs> locks before you get to that airport, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, but those are some good tips. But back to getting ready for the deer season. We, uh, we kind of got off track a little bit. You were talking about food plots, and I mentioned things about about people on public land and uh, or people who, who don't have plots. And, 
you know, uh, a point of that is when I was doing all that mowing the other day, I noticed persimmons, uh, persimmon trees everywhere. And uh, in the south, that's a really good Great September. Great natural attractant. Great natural attractant. So how would you, uh, uh, that's a very short window, though. Yeah, it's just like our acorns, Pete, just like acorns. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, a lot of people, uh, how do I know? If you you live in an area, you could walk into that timber and and just quietly listen. You'll hear the acorns dropping. Boy, you know, the first thing you want to do is go locate those trees and see if if there's access for you. First, you're going to see all the scratching from the turkeys, the squirrels, but then the deer. You know what I mean? And and don't kid the hogs and the and every other animal because acorns is a major. It's a it's a a tremendous attractant, great in protein and everything else for our game. But um, see, and we don't have persimmon trees up here in Illinois, so we don't know. Do they make noise when they fall? Is it not? Sure, it is. Yep. But they're no, quiet. A, uh, You're, most of your soil's sand. A, <laughs> yeah, a, a persimmon is more like a uh, a plum. A plum? Yeah, really? It kind of it yep. kind of looks like a plum. It's about the size of a plum. Okay. Maybe uh, I'm trying to think a uh, ping pong ball size. Yeah. Okay. But they're uh, uh, yeah, but um, they you know you make jellies and jams and things like that out of them. Some people do. Gotcha. Uh, but it's a, a a fruit, not a nut. And um, and they'll start dropping right around Labor Day, about the same time the wild grapes down here get get ripe, and uh, they are a magnet for all animals. I've seen coyotes under persimmon trees eat, eating the persimmons. Um, every animal loves them. Um, so if you have persimmon tree, that's a great great early season attractant. But what I found is it's such a small window. You know, you have a week to ten days. To, to hunt it before all the fruit's gone. Well, just, just like locating, you know, like you said, early season, if you're not putting in a, in a plot, you, you know what I mean? Understand the other things. And, and again, it goes back to food and water, you know, at any given time of the year, because, you know, there, there's going to be certain things that, that attract animals, you know, at early season. Uh, and then, it, you know, there's going to be another thing that attracts them in the late season. And I think that's a big plus with the food plots is, you know, a lot of the guy, a lot of people that are putting in food plots, you know, a, a fair amount of them live in and around ag areas. You know, so so, so don't put that pl- food plot in that you think it's going to, you know, right. it's going to do just as good as that thousand acre bean field or corn field. I, I mean, You've got to remember that your success will increase if you build this stuff, if you plant this stuff, in for the times that that stuff is gone, like late season. Oh, or or, or before it, you know, before they start feeding on it. So, so I mean, there's so many. Everything's timing, um, you know. And and I, I guess what what you know where we where we were going to, we'll get back to is is just saying. That what what we've learned to work the best is one doing your soil test. Two, I like to go in and design, you know, figure out where. Well, first off, for, figure out the best place, yes. entrance and exit, and and what time of year you're going to anticipate hunting this area. You know, going in and mowing, clearing it out and mowing it. Then I like spraying it because I like to I, instead of having that tall grass that gets stuck in our tillers and everything I'd rather it be short hit the root system earlier you know or quicker um then turn around because we got our soil test we throw our lime we throw our fertilizer whatever it may be um and then we till that in the ground 
But the other thing, too, that I learned, and I made this mistake right. of a fair amount of times, was when I till, you'll know you'll, you'll always leave those side hills from the side of your tillers. You'll always leave those little mounds as you go down. Um, turn around and harrow it or turn around and rake it or do something to break those mounds up. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're going to hurt your seed bed. Try to make that soil as level as possible across the whole plot. You know, now now we got the fertilizer in. We got we, we got we get, we got all this in. Right. And then, you know, right. normally what we'll do is we'll either till that in or we'll we'll harrow, you know, we'll just run it over with the you know, with the harrow. Boom, we got that. We we broadcast or we use our wood cedar. Yeah. And then we lightly, depending on the seed, depending on what we're doing, you know, trying to keep that depth pretty accurate for that particular seed. And then we're always trying to put that stuff in watching the weather. Uh, you know, right, uh, we, right. we want moisture. So, I mean, once you do all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, if, if you're going to plant, then uh, uh, yep. to your point is that watch the weather forecast before you plant and make sure that you're going to have rain within two to three days and run out there if you can and and get the seed in the ground, get it get it packed in, and then let the rain hit it. Because if that if that seed sits there for a week to two weeks with no uh, uh, with no rain, and it's just sun just beating on it, then uh, the birds are going to eat it. One and two, you're really going to limit yep. your ability for it to and uh, actually. And one other thing, I think that we actually didn't even touch on about you know, like you're saying, you're just getting ready. You're two weeks away from um, hunting season there in South Carolina is actually just making sure all your gear is ready to go, all your hunting clothes. Have you washed it, you know, with Sunaway soap? Have you have, Do you have everything ready to go? Do you have a thermocell with all the butane you're going to need there in South Carolina for yeah. those mosquitoes come sundown? I mean, there's a lot of other things that you don't want to wait till the last day and also I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't wash my clothes. Oh my I need to go and, and wash it up, you know, and, and make sure I have my sprays. And honestly, Pete, I don't even know. Does like a Sunaway spray when it's that hot down there help any? Yeah, it's been highly debated. I've actually uh, written several stories on it. I think I did one interview in a yep. last year about trying to control your scent when it's super hot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, reach, yep. there reaches a point where you're just pouring sweat, sitting still. Except for play you know, the wind. And, and, and there's very little you can do, in my opinion, after hunting down here for the last for the last 30 years, is is that very point, Vicky, is... Uh, um, no matter how well you've patterned your bucks, no matter how well you have your your entry stand, your entry and access to your stand. Yep, yep. You you're, and you're ruining the area. You're educating. You're just wasting time. And once you get because them educated, they are, they are, you know, and then you wonder where all your game went. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, you are. You are. And, 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 and you know, and I don't care if you're 30 feet in the, high in the tree. Uh, when it's that hot and you're sweating, you're dripping onto the ground, you're, I mean... You're going to be educating your deer, so you have to make sure that that um, um, that everything that you do all comes together. At you know, hunt the wind first. Yep, I agree with you. You know, and I mean, we could do everything we possibly can. Nothing will eliminate human odor completely. I mean, period. N- nothing. You know, and, and I mean, have we tried? You know, have we tried ozonics? Yes, we try. We tried that. And do I think it helped? I th- I think it helped. You know, we're, we've been messing with no trace, zero know, trace, zero trace here for a while, and and I think we're seeing that. I think the big thing is, is you know, like Vicky cannot be in a blind with ozone. 
She, with, she with was one gagging. of those units, I can't. I start gagging. Because and so it's, are it's, some of our camera guys. I think even me, I start. Now, now I do want to say back to Vicky's point is that is that the Cineway stuff does. I think. I mean, I use it. Yep. I use it religiously. Yep. I wash my clothes. Yep. In it. I take the little wipes with me into the stand, and I'm wiping my sweat off with them. You know, and I put them in a Ziploc bag after I've contaminated them. I mean, I, I think all those things help. Nope. And 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 that's the thing. You know. It, it, at the end, just like you, I mean, Pete, you, you said something that I think, you know, on closing, we should really touch on. And that is at the end of the day, <laughs> here's the bottom line. If you have more opportunity to get out there and hunt, I would tell you, then step back. If the wind's not right, don't hunt it. But if you only have two weekends out of the year, right? I don't want that person to stop hunting. And I know someone's someone's listening and to go. Are you nuts? Here's I want them right. to still go out and hunt. Maybe change your strategies up a little bit. You know, if the wind's not right, maybe just go hunker down in some brush. In, if if you only Absolutely. have one tree stand set up, you, instead you know of I mean? blowing the whole area but, out. But if you, that's all you have, if you only have a couple weekends, man, get out there. Get out there. That's a valid point. A lot of people oh. think that. That if I can't hunt Absolutely. elevated, then there's no reason to go. But that is so far from the truth. Or if I don't have a if go I don't hunt. have a pop up ground blind, then I can't hunt from the ground. Oh no, I can tell you. I've yes, go sit down just like you do when you turkey hunt. You just sit at the base of a tree, be very still, make sure the wind's in your face, and and it's amazing. Yep, amazing how you know. And and again, here here's something, and we've proved it to our guys. And 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 I mean, time and time out, if you're sitting on the ground. And if you're not hunting, uh, you know, <laughs> here you go. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Uh-oh. But but fanning for turkeys, like you know what I'm talking about. I carry a fan. When I'm hunting on the ground with no blind or anything, I have a fan in my backpack for deer. And I'll tell you why. When when all of a sudden I got some deer coming down the trail and they see that blob and they, okay. they all of a sudden you could tell by the body posture. They're starting to get tense. You know, they get tense. I just pick up the fan. I slowly open it up. Again, I'm hunting private land. Yeah. All right. I'm. I want. I'm. I'm emphasizing this. But put. I put that fan up. Sure. Absolutely. One hundred percent change of body posture. They relax and they keep doing what they're doing, just by y- using something that they're so used to seeing. That's a, block, a great idea. But then that fan signifies to them it's okay. Wow, that's a great tip, Ralph. I mean, I've tried, I've, I've tried doing the, a cluck to them or a yelp with my throat whenever I've seen that, but I've never thought Pete, about it's amazing. Taking, They'll just relax. never thought about taking a fan. That is such a great tip, man. That is such a great tip. Wow, I'm impressed that you came up. It with works. That. I am really impressed you came up with that. We should. Hey, if you're going to just sit on the ground, you'll be you'll be amazed at what it does. All yeah. the game, it's just a natural movement. It solidifies to them, oh, that block, right. it's, it's, I'm okay, I'm okay. Pete's going to write yeah. an article about it now. Oh, yeah, Pete will write how. Great idea. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. I, I, you can bet on that. <laughs> you can bet on that. Yeah. The writer out there listening to this, I'm calling oh, dibs on it right oh, now, gosh. okay? <laughs> All right, so so you know, season's coming around for a lot of uh, for a lot of people, and uh, we got a lot of things to do to to get ready. So, in kind of yep. 
drawing all this right. together is uh, make sure that you practice with your with your weapon of choice um, and, and, and practice so that you feel proficient. Don't just make sure it's all on. Practice so that you so that you feel proficient and enough. Pete, can I just can I just throw in something? If you're buying, if you buy a five pin hunting sight or or arch or bow sight or a movable bow sight, don't think that you're doing something wrong that you can't shoot eighty or ninety or hundred yards. You, you know what I mean? Or, or fifty yards. Stay to what you are confident in. So if it's a five pin yeah. sight and really your your accuracy is twenty thirty and forty, right. take the other ones off. Don't worry about it. But but stay in your own personal zone. Same with your rifle. You know what I mean? If 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 you're going to shoot, if you can shoot accurately yeah. up to three hundred yards, mm-hmm. and you know your you, you know your you know your ballistics, you know the the quality of the bullet, the whole nine yards. Don't try to push it to five or seven hundred or eight hundred or so on. I, stick to what you know, and I'm going to tell you the season is going to go that much better yeah. for you. It really will. It really will. Because um, it's it's amazing how how people misjudge long distance too. You know, when they see something, oh, I shot that deer at three hundred yards, and you go back to the rangefinder and it's one seventy five, because. No, Pete. Across that's, a big open ego. field, they look a lot further away than they <laughs> that's are. That's ego. Or, you you mean, know what I mean? Just, they just really, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, oh, but it it's always 300. 310 yeah, yards. Did you have a range number. finder? They no. Always say 300 but yards. how did you know it was yeah. 310 it's yards? Always 300. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but it, but it will, it, it really will fool you. But uh, practice with your equipment so you're proficient. Shoot with your face mask and gloves on, even if you're doing with your rifle, uh, with your scope. Uh, uh, one thing that we didn't cover was uh, um, uh, make sure that without your lifelines are attached to your tree stands yep. make and, sure and all safe. that's in good shape. You know, um, which which means, you know, one thing that I do with my lock-ons, and this is just me, is, is, is every year I check the straps and every other year I replace them. For the stands that stay up all year, Every other, I don't care if it's in great shape. Every other and, year And like I you put said, your lifeline, you know, I mean, they now, you know, like hunter say hunter special ugh, hunter safety systems you know and they have the lifelines they're the ones that came out with it first you know and it's stay connected from the ground up because they say i believe it's like isn't it 85 percent of the tree stand okay. accidents is getting in, is and, getting out of your in and out of your tree stand it's not sitting in your tree stand and having that tree stand fall down or something like that it's actually in and That's out right. of your stand so always stay connected and if and if you don't think that you need a vest, you're wrong. And if you think it's, right. it doesn't matter because it's just for you, it's not. It's your family and your friends that that's going to have to suffer from it. Also, just don't be, yeah, don't don't act like your your ego is too big to wear a Absolutely. vest because nowadays you can Absolutely. get a, yeah. yeah, it's going to save it's going to save your life or a, a lot of Absolutely. injury. Absolutely, you know. And the other thing too is just like if you leave a rope outside and you leave it out there all year, you know that it's become weaker. The, yep. Whether it's the sun or whatever, exactly. Why take a chance after season it's take that lifeline down? Yeah. Yep, put it away, store it away, and then you know start putting them out now. You know, I mean, be be prepared, be safe. I mean, the most important thing is is enjoying it. For uh, for you people who are out there getting ready for this season, I hope some of these tips and tactics that we talked about will help you 
get ready for the uh, for the upcoming season that in many places is just a couple weeks away. Um, hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't subscribed to Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast, please do. We're available on all the podcast stations. Awesome. All right. So Take until care, next Thank time, you. We'll talk to you soon. Come back and join us again. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you come back again for more Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. <laughs>